don't allow the things that we go through to prevent us from living a purposeful life, whatever that is to you, but rather use either the lessons you've learned from your adversity or look for how can I become better as a result of that adversity and allow that to push you to who you are. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. Hi there, friends. My first book, Values First, How Knowing Your Core Beliefs Can Get You the Life and Career You Want, is now out in the world. Thank you so much for your support of the book. With your help, we are a number one Amazon bestseller in the business ethics category and a number one new release for time management in business and business etiquette. I have poured my heart into this book with personal stories and stories for my coaching clients using the values first framework. Between the constant pressure of job performance and demands on your time, it's easy to lose sight of your values, letting them shift out of alignment. Those simple misalignments are keeping you from feeling joyful and fulfilled. Learn how to recenter your life and career around what truly matters to you. Order Values First now at your favorite independent bookstore or at Barnes and Noble or Amazon. I wanna make sure that you are the first to know about every book activity that we have in store, including virtual and in-person events. Stay up to date by joining our list at thecatchgroup.com slash values first. That's thecatchgroup.com slash values first. Welcome to this week's episode of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. I'm really excited for you to hear my discussion with our guest this week, Sherelle Reed. Sherelle Alexander-Reed is a wife, mother, author, life coach, and motivator whose purpose is to encourage, educate, and empower others. She loves people and is dedicated to making a deliberate and intentional positive impact through her spoken messages and community initiatives. As a retired corporate instructor, Sherelle can be found impacting lives through her various speaking engagements, coaching programs, and her social media posts and videos. Her brand is The Blooming Effect, where she teaches and coaches on how to overcome life's adversity and show up as your best self on the road from present to purpose. Her love of people and community impact stems from an appreciation for all of the advice and assistance she received from others during her life, and she looks for opportunities to pay it forward. Sherelle is founder and visionary of a nonprofit organization called Find Your Resilience, which is a movement that empowers females to learn from their past, live today, and pursue purpose. She's devoted her life 
to the encouragement and empowerment of others as she firmly believes that her life would be much different had it not been the personal impact she received from others. In our discussion, we talked about her personal story of adversity and resilience. And let me tell you, I was captivated by her journey, her lessons learned, and how she's an example of really how to model authenticity in everything that you do. We talked about how to use adversity to continue to fuel your purpose inside and outside of work and why being authentic matters at home and at work. I cannot wait for you to hear our discussion. Let's get started. I want to welcome you to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Thank you so much for joining. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. I really appreciate the invitation and opportunity. Well, I'm really happy to share this space with you today, and I want our listeners to know everything about you. So what is your story? Can you give us a little bit more about your background? Okay, background. I grew up in the city of New Orleans, Louisiana, where I was born and raised. I was raised by my grandparents because my mother and father uh, divorced right after I was born. So they decided that my grandparents were more stable and that they would take better care of my older brother and I. And so as a result of that, as a child, I didn't see the value in what they were trying to do. All I saw was that my parents didn't want me, that what was wrong with me, that that I could not live with them, what was wrong with me that I couldn't see them every day. And so I began to, uh, I don't want to say low self-esteem, but what I want to say is I had inadequacies. I started to feel that I wasn't worthy to have them. Something must be wrong with me. Maybe I'm not cute enough. Maybe my hair is not pretty enough as a child because I wanted to be with my parents. And um, as a result of that, I just grew up really second-guessing myself. Really, really feeling that hmm, uh, it's not too much uh, that too much value in me, I should say. And then my grandmother wasn't the nicest to me, and so she kind of echoed that sentiment. You know, I wouldn't be anything, and I wouldn't amount to anything, and always uh, pretty much thought the worst of me. So I, I dealt as a young child. I always had a battle of what I thought of me. You know, really on the inside. But what I thought everybody else thought of me on the outside, so therefore I had to be wrong and they had to be right. So that's just a little bit of my upbringing. Fast forward, graduated from high school, went on to college, the Southern University, A&M College in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Go Jags! But before I graduated, I became pregnant. And and the reason and you'll see why I'm telling this story. And I became pregnant. I was dating a guy that I guess I thought I was dating him. He didn't feel like he was dating me. And so you know how that goes. He wasn't interested and uh, made some suggestions that maybe I should take a different route with this pregnancy. And I decided not to. And so I, I relinquished him of any rights. I decided I want to keep and have my baby because I didn't want to reject my child because I felt like I was rejected. And it's just funny how things come full circle and how your adversity actually is the best teacher in a lot of uh, situations. So I went on to have my son and my son was born 
with a birth defect called spina bifida. And if you're not familiar with that, it's a neural tube defect where there's an area on your spine that doesn't uh, close properly. And so therefore the nerves in that area become damaged and they cause a few things, paralysis of which my son is paralyzed from the ankles down. They cause incontinence, which is problems controlling bladder and bowel and hydrocephalus, which is fluid on the brain. And so he had all of those things. And because I was away at college, my parent, my grandparents had passed away. My mom lived in Tennessee. My dad lived in Seattle, Washington. So I was really alone in this. The medical personnel felt that I wasn't equipped to take care of a child like this. And so therefore, they wanted me to relinquish my rights to my son and, and turn him over to the state of Louisiana so that he could be in a facility and they could care for him. Now, in their defense, here I am in college. You know, and I and I had made every effort to have my child on the Christmas break and come back to school. I got special permissions from the dean to live in the married dorms. I had already enrolled my unborn child in the child care that could take care of him. Look at me. I'm being responsible. You know, I'm going to take care of this child. I didn't know how, but I'm going to do it. I'm being responsible. But I did not know that he would be born sick. and so. In other circumstances, if I'm honest, because I didn't know how I could take care of a child like this, which is what the social worker said to me. She said, you cannot take care of a child like this. You don't even have a place to live. You know, this child is going to need therapies and it's going to walk and need, have medical equipment. You don't have transportation. So maybe if I didn't have the experiences I had growing up, maybe I would have felt that this would have been be what was best for my son. But as a result of all the rejection and abandonment issues I already had from my own parents, I said, no, I said, I don't know how I'm going to take care of this child. But the conviction came from me never making him feel the way I felt. And I think that's a lesson for a lot of us. A lot of times when we go through adversity and we have things that go on in our life, all we want to do is just make it go away and do something different. But I'm here just to encourage everybody to maybe look at it from a different perspective. Maybe there's something that that experience built in you. Maybe there's some character that came about. Maybe there's some sensitivities. If you've been bullied, you might not want to bully someone else. And so as a result of me feeling abandoned growing up, feeling unwanted, feeling unvalued by my own parents, I decided to keep my son and that I was going to find a way. They told me he would be a vegetable. The doctor said the word vegetable to me. He would never feed himself, think for himself, read. There's no way you can take a take care of a child like this. But my convictions told me I'm going to learn. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be there. He is going to see me every day. I will not make him feel the way I felt. So fast forward, the prognosis was wrong. Uh, my son was had no mental incapacities at all. My son now is 31 years old. He works for a Fortune 500 company. He drives, he lives alone, he graduated college. He is doing well. He is paralyzed from the ankle down still and he walks with crutches, but he can drive. And uh, he, he lives a normal life, not with me. Yes, 
Love it. <laughs> you know, and so what am I saying? Uh, you asked me to tell you a little bit about my background, and I'm saying that because it has everything to do with who I am today. I call myself the Bloom Strategist. I have created uh, the Blooming Effect. And the Blooming Effect is a vehicle of mine that empowers, educates, and encourages others to overcome adversity in their lives and show up as their best selves. Don't allow the things that we go through to prevent us from living a purposeful life, whatever that is to you, but rather use either the lessons you've learned from your adversity or look for how can I become better as a result of that adversity and allow that to push you to who you are. I'm the Bloom Strategist today because of the adversity that I did, that I went through. So I recognize that oftentimes, especially women, you know, we feel shame or we feel uh, embarrassed by the mistakes we make. You know, some adversity, we we made the mistake. We raised our, we did it. We knew we should not have touched the hot stove, but we did it anyway. So some of those things we're ashamed of. But then there are some things and some adversity that comes in our lives that have nothing to do with us. Maybe mistreatment or something like that. But at the same token, it can still, if we allow it, it can still make us strong in some areas and, and, and make us knowledgeable because we can then use our real true stories to encourage someone else. I can say to someone else, yeah, you're going through that. I know it looks pretty dark. I know it looks like you're not going to make it out of that situation, but you can use that. I can tell you, I went through this. I went through that. And, and so I use that to now encourage women to do the same. And so that's who I am in a nutshell. I, I could go on to tell you that I'm married to my husband, Sean, now for 28 years. We have three kids, Sean Michael, 31, which I just spoke about, Chanel Malik, 28, and Shantae Monique, who is 27. And so I'm here as a bloom strategist to say, you cannot convince me that anything is too horrible that you can't use it for the better. Was it horrible? Yes. Was it heinous? Yes. It could be pretty bad, but it wasn't to destroy you because if you can inhale and exhale, I believe that there's still purpose in you. There's still a reason for you to be there. And what I do is I connect with women and we try to figure that roadmap out so that we can move forward in our lives intentionally. Not just waking up and allowing the chips to fall where they may, but really being strategic and really learning how to retrain our minds and our perspectives on things so that we can develop the roadmap for where we want to go from present to purpose and then enjoy all of the jewels on the journey. Even the bad things, I, I, I later see them as jewels. Because I may not be as compassionate as I am had I not gone through that. I may not uh, be as nice and gracious to people or, you know, whatever it is. I may not be an encourager had I not at one point needed encouragement. And so I believe that the things that we go through on our journey of life are jewels.
but we can look at them as rocks if we want to, or we can see the beauty in what the experience does to us. And we get to choose whether we allow it to make us better or better. I talked so long, didn't I? I No, you did not talk too long. I just want to keep listening. I love it. Um, Your story is just so inspirational. Like I'm just sitting here just staring at the screen because we're we're having this conversation on Zoom. Not everybody can see us. They can just hear the audio, but I'm just sitting here captivated by your story and the lessons and your, your positivity and encouragement and... I just want to learn more. So no, of course you did not have too long of an answer. I, that is not possible. <laughs> I'm just happy to have heard your story and I love so many things about it. I want to understand more about the blooming effect and how how have you seen kind of the pandemic and um, let's bring work into this, right? So you talked about you've had a long career and you're now a coach and uh, have a nonprofit and the people that you work with now, the women that you work with now, like what have you seen people most struggle with now through a global pandemic, right? And um, how is that showing up at work? I guess I can talk to talk about me, another testimony. Let me tell you, the, the pandemic tried to take me out of here, to be honest with you. I I had a very, very close friend of mine to pass away right when it first was announced there in New Orleans. And uh, it really shook me. Uh, I raised my nephew after his mom died since he was nine. He's 31 as well. And uh, he contracted COVID and uh, was in the hospital and I couldn't visit him. That's my son. That's not my nephew. That's really my son. And he was in the hospital here. He was in renal failure. He was in all of these, you know, heart failure and kidney failure. I mean, everything. And I, so it really took a toll on me and it caused me to spiral like into almost into a depression. I'm not going to say almost a depression. And, you know, I had to take a leave of absence from work. I had to, you know, work on me because I'm no good. And let me just put that peg right there. When we're talking about what the pandemic did, you are no good to your corporation, to your personal businesses, your family. You're no no good to anyone unless you take care of you. You know, the whole thing of, of the airplane. Uh, if, if we have problems before you put the oxygen mask on your child, make sure it's on you. Um, and so I realized that. And, I, and so I had to pull away from corporate America. I'm a corporate instructor. And I had to do the work to work on me. Then my sister-in-law passed away. Two of my three sisters had COVID and my sister's father-in-law passed away. So in the beginning, it was so overwhelming and frightening to me because, you know, people were dying and dying close to me. And so I did the work. I got with a therapist and, um, you know, just worked through that whole thing called perspective because I saw myself falling deeper, deeper into fear. And, you know, the pandemic was announced in March and my uh, my middle child or my young son, my younger son surprised me for Mother's Day. And he came home and, but when I saw him, rather than be happy to see my son because he lived in Atlanta, I was terrified because he was coming in. I don't know what he was bringing in. And so what am I saying? I'm saying the fear 
of the unknown. The fear of what I saw happening was overtaking me. And so in the midst of all that and speaking with a therapist, I began to make shirts for myself that said fearless. That's all it said was fearless. I'm a woman of faith and there is a scripture out there that says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So I began to just put fearless on shirts. And 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 so people started seeing it because I would go and I would do lives and things and like, where, where did you get that shirt? Where did you get that shirt? So that one thing that I did to encourage me began to encourage others. So now I have a whole clothing line called Fearless. It's all comfort wear, T-shirts and jogging suits and things of that nature. Because the more I saw fearless, the more I tried to be and become fearless. That's the power of, of, of seeing things. The whole vision board idea of write it down so you can see it and subconsciously work towards it. And so I started that clothing, clothing line. So what I'll say in the workplace and what I'm seeing or what I have been seeing was people uncertain about their careers, uncertain about their trajectories, because we spend years and years and years in corporate America, if that's what you do or whatever your job is, hoping one day to retire. But when the pandemic came, we began to to question that because the companies were going through things. So many companies closed. And, and so the stability and the security that we thought we had in our employment, we no longer had. So what did it do? It caused a lot of us to begin to recreate ourselves. And there's nothing wrong with working in corporate America or working for someone, somebody, you know, we all work. And that's nothing wrong with that. But what we started to do was to redefine the power. Who has the power in our trajectory? I might work full time. It could be at McDonald's. I might work full time at McDonald's, but I'd still, I now know I have the power to control which way my life is going to go. And it's not going to be based on what a company has decided to pay me or it's not going to be based on, you know, or the lack thereof. It's not going to be wrapped up in those things. So what I saw, especially in the women that I work with, I saw like their eyes opening to the possibility of things they never fathomed prior to that because it was all about holding on to my security blanket, which is the job. And then when that got shaky, they had to start to rely on other things. So it, it was it was a blessing and not so much a blessing. Yeah, I mean, it could have gone anyway because there are many people, and I don't want to be insensitive, there are many people who lost their livelihoods and found it hard to do and to provide for their kids, their families. There are many women who are self-employed who had their own businesses that found themselves without any business because nobody was shopping or maybe they had the type of business. It wasn't essential. So, you know, they just didn't have the customers during that time. So we had to learn how to make it outside of the circumstances that we were faced with. And I've seen many women, Laura, rise to the occasion and say, hey, I have it in me. I can sit behind this computer and, and I'm going to do it differently. They moved with the cloud. The times changed. Everything went virtual. 
every, you know, so maybe I have to find a way to be creative enough to do what it is that I do on the platforms that it's working on right now. And so, you know, we are resilient by nature. I feel that women are, especially. We're resilient. We bounce back. And I saw a lot of women do that. And to the women that had a harder time doing it, I still believe that I've seen them over time do it differently. The world is getting more and more complex. Anabit chaotic, pandemic, social unrest, recession, hybrid workforce, you name it, it is here. And it's hard to navigate home and work for yourself and for your team. And what about time for you? It seems non-existent. Our recent podcast listener and reader told me the following. This has been a light bulb moment, knowing my values and then identifying boundaries to protect my values and building systems to support those boundaries. It's been incredible. When I've broken one of those boundaries, remembering my values has kept me focused. In Values First, this book can give you the tools to build those boundaries, but more importantly, how to keep them with a proven framework to identify what matters most to you and the motivation to build a sustainable plan. Values First, how knowing your core beliefs can get you the life and career you want is now available wherever books are sold. Go to thecatchgroup.com slash values first to learn more and stay connected. That's thecatchgroup.com slash values first. I just believe once again that the adversity that we go through, it just uncovers how strong we really are, how strong we really can be. It, it may just expose how, I don't want to say weak, but it may expose some areas where there are some opportunities. It really may. But then we have the power to work on those areas. There are some areas I never thought. I'm a, I'm a life coach and I'm empowering and encouraging women with my nonprofit organization, all of this stuff. I never saw myself falling in a depression. But why not me? I'm human. I was faced, it, it seems like COVID was beating me up on every hand when the phone was ringing. I found myself just looking at the phone before I would answer it, afraid of what might be on the other end afraid of the news I might hear or something like that. So it could be any of us and adversity comes. And if you're not in adversity or you didn't just get out of adversity, keep on living, it, it happens to all of us. But it's the way that we learn to deal with adversity and not allow adversity to shackle us and prevent us from being. Once again, we're here for a reason. COVID didn't take me out, so I believe I'm here for a reason. You know, and it doesn't mean ignore the true emotion of what we've gone through, but it does mean that I decide to keep going. It's a decision that I have to make really before I'm in it. It's easier to decide. I'm going to decide to keep going. I don't care what comes in my way. And then when it comes, then I try to lean on the decision I made. But if we don't make those decisions or if we don't think about the things that we need to think about to strengthen who we are and the power that we have in our lives, then when things come, it can overtake us. 
in those moments. I believe we'll bounce back because we're resilient. Once again, my um, nonprofit is called Find Zillion over the years. And so I've used that to be where I am. So even in the workforce, I saw women that continue to move forward with a different perspective. That That's what I Tell saw. me more about that. I saw, well, let me just say this to the listeners. I know you know, Laura, but I retired after COVID, after I had gone through what I went through. I felt that COVID put things in perspective for me. I had already felt that I was getting to a place where, hey, I could do what I'm doing for me. I've done it for this Fortune 500 company for 18 years. I think I can do it for me. You know, and and so I was it was already in the back of my mind, but just COVID when it happened, I was like, you know what, I think now is my time to go. So I decided to exit. It has not been easy, but I'm out here in these speaker streets, teacher streets, encouragement streets. And I love it. And it it may be more work for me, but it's more fulfilling uh, because it speaks to who I am. But those who uh remained. When I say the perspective shift, what I mean is that nothing's guaranteed, you know, nothing's guaranteed. It's not guaranteed that this company is even going to be here next week. That's what COVID taught us. It's not guaranteed that the the way the culture of this company that I work for is going to remain until I retire. Because I know at my company, I felt like the culture, oh, this is just their culture and this is how it's going to go. And you just feel that it's going to be that way always. But as life happens, it happens to the companies too. It happens to the corporates. It happens to your your personal business. If you have your own business. So the perspective is anything can happen at any time. What am I putting in place to be prepared? So you have a lot of people in corporate America, but they're still, they have to recreate themselves and do something different during COVID. And they're doing both. You had some people that had a business and that business folded during COVID, and but they recreated a different business. So I think that no longer are women just enslaved to the way things are. That COVID taught us to shift our perspective that things may change at any time and that we need to be prepared for the change. We need to Uh, be willing to change because change is inevitable. As you coach women, what are you finding? Are they able to use the adversity like through COVID through their lives to then propel them to be more resilient? Can you talk a bit about that? Well, it just depends because the adversity hits people differently, right? So we begin to talk about what is it that they went through? What is it that they experienced? What is it? Is there anything that they feel that they can pull from that? And it doesn't mean that what is it that they see they can use in that to become better? You see it all the time. Sometimes mothers may experience loss or what have you, then they champion that cause, you know, um, because that's the way that they can use it uh, for something better rather than to become better. The whole idea is for you not to internalize the adversity that you go through and that sends you on a downward spiral where you no longer live. 
there's a lot of life left in us. And I don't, I'm not insensitive to say, don't take the time. If you've lost a loved one, take the time you need to grieve. Take the time you need to process whatever adversity that you've gone through because you can't just sweep it under the rug. It's there. It happened. It did something to you. And then when you're ready, then begin to say, how can I use what happened? to affect this world for the better. And by affecting the world, oftentimes we encourage our own selves. I really like this idea of encouraging yourself, but then the impact that you have is rippling out. Do you find, I feel like you're such a great storyteller and, um, you know, not every leader is. So how can, how can we at work, with our teams, with our families, with our community, how can we use our stories to, you know, drive that purpose for ourselves, for others? Well, first of all, we have to be willing in the workplace to be authentic. Mm. I drive that a lot because code switching is real. You know, oftentimes we feel that there's a way we have to be in the workplace when we don't realize that the beauty that we all have is our individuality. And so we have to embrace who we are. I mean, I I have some quirkiness about me and that's me. I'm going to be professional. We can all be professional, but still be ourselves. Sometimes uh, people feel that being professional is is code switching. I'm professional when I code switch. No, you can be just as professional, but have your personality. And so what happens is people encounter you in the workplace. So I am my story, right? And so there's not going to always, especially in corporate America, there's not going to always be a platform for me to tell my entire story because we're there to produce. The workplace is a place of production, but I do bring my whole self to work. And so as I begin to walk in my authenticity and be who I am, sometimes it might intrigue question. Maybe there's something that's going on and I'm not phased by where everybody else is phased by it. And they're like, why didn't that bother you? You know, and I'm like, because with the sum total of what we've been experienced with, I don't walk around with a chip on my shoulder. I've gone through so much in my life. So in the workplace, I think to answer your question, I just feel that it starts with authenticity. You know, I show grace because grace has been shown to me. So when you see me at work showing grace and not uh, getting into things with people or encouraging people in a way to become better, that's who I am. And I bring all that with me uh, into the workplace. And so I feel that If you back up the story, you're going to find that those attributes in me came from what I have gone through. And that's my experience. And so I just feel that authenticity is it. Be yourself. Because there's none like you. And we should not want to be someone else. And the thing is, you can only fake it so long. You know, but I can be Sherelle every day and I don't have to try. I just wake up and be me. But when I code switch or when I begin to become someone that I'm not, 
then you're going to catch me slipping every now and then. I'm going to mess it up because it's not me. So I feel like authenticity is it. And if I bring my whole self to the workplace, then my story comes with me. It doesn't mean that I'm pulling people on the side. Let me tell you what I went through. No, I believe our story uh, shows in the way that we are now authenticity. I love how you said that your story comes with you. Yeah. Very, very powerful. Well, how can we connect with you and what is the best way to do that? Well, what I always encourage is for uh, the listeners to join my team bloom. Uh, and the way to do it is if you go to my Instagram page, Sherelle Reed, well, so there you'll have the link to my link tree and it has all of my social media handles there. Everything that Sherelle Reed Enterprises is doing as far as the blooming effect is concerned, my coaching courses, as well as my nonprofit, Find Your Resilience and everything that we're doing uh, here in the community. We'll link all of that in our show notes. And I'm just just so thankful to have gotten to know you and to have gotten to hear your story today. It's so powerful and motivational. And I've gotten so much just for being in the same space as you. And I just appreciate you. I appreciate you, Laura, for having me. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.